put on your theology hats. We are about to talk about some heavy things. Pull out your Bibles, pull out your theological dictionaries, because today we talk about Israel and the church and how God interacts with his people. This is Consider It, where we're considering questions regarding life, theology, and the church. Consider It is a ministry of Redemption Bible Church here in New Braunfels, Texas. Do you have questions regarding life, theology, or the church? If so, text the word REDEMPTION and your question to 474747 and we'll consider your questions. To learn more about our church and everything we're doing here, visit redemption.bible. I'm Aaron Orozco. And I'm Blair Cushman. Let's consider it. Hey guys, thanks for joining us today on Consider It. Uh, Today we have a really interesting uh, and a really theological question um, that we get to tackle. Before that, uh, we got a a quick question that was submitted that we'll take very quickly. It's who was, who is the best NBA team Uh, in the NBA bubble? Easy. It's the LA Lakers. They're going to win. It's fine. Everyone who doesn't care, that's okay. I would tell you it's the Milwaukee Bucks, but as of late... I don't know. I don't know. They're falling apart, Aaron. Right, right, right. So hot takes, I guess, right? That's right. Um, But the real question that we're actually tackling today, um, a good question. It says, what is dispensationalism, dispensationalism and covenant theology? So those are the two different ones. And what does the Bible have to say about them? That's good. Yeah. Those are like mouthful. Right. You know, dispensationalism. Right. Who's used that word? Yeah. And, you know, and they're just everyday conversation. Dispensation. So we're, yeah, we're looking at dispensational theology versus or like the differences maybe uh, versus covenantal theology. And and the question is. What did the what does the Bible have to say about them? You know, kind of right. what what is the juxtaposition here? Right. What is what is this? And maybe these are new terms to you. Yeah. Uh, maybe you've heard them talked about in a sermon or a conversation or things. I've had obviously it's been a question that's submitted, so somebody's uh, wrestling with it or searching yeah. it out or um, whatnot. But these are kind of these are. I don't want to say the deep waters of theology, but you're right. These aren't the things that we normally right. uh, debate about or talk about um, in just kind of everyday conversations of right. theology. And so I like questions like this. For I like sure. some of the, you know, sure. some of these. Um, and and here's really the um, here's what it boils down to in these two. Uh, kind of uh, theologies here. Well, um, in, in both of them, and we'll explain the the uh, give a definition of both. But really, at the core, these two uh, theological viewpoints uh, deal with two kind of questions. The first is how does God uh, interact with humanity? Mm-hmm. And how has he in the yeah, past, and how is he doing yeah. it now, and how how does he interact and relate to humans, you know, in the future? And second, then uh, out of that is what's the difference between Israel and the church? Right. Um, and so, kind of at the core of these two, uh, uh, in these two viewpoints or these two theological positions, are those questions. And what do we do? How do we answer that? Right. And so, on one side, you have, uh, and 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 here's the thing: like with everything in, in politics and things, we have these polarities. We have kind of two uh, differing sides that we, you know, that we contrast with one another's kind of the world that we live in. And yet, 
even within this, it's much more nuanced. You know, it's right. not just Republican and Democrat, Apple versus PC. Sure. You know, um, the, you know, National League and American League. Like, in each of these camps, there are their own camps and their own nuances. And right. yeah, so, so even as we're trying to be clear and simple today, you have to understand like this is yeah. You know, th- there's much more um, nuance here, and so I want to just be simple and clear today for the sake of right. the question. And for for clarification, you know, the who is Israel? Um, you know, some people might expect, well, Israel is Israel. Well, you know, in the Bible, we often see what well, we know Israel is God's chosen people, right? And then. Right. We see a lot that the church, yeah. that's those are God's people, right? We yeah. I, we say it every morning that we're God's people gathered together. And exactly. so that's where the question comes in. Like, right. so is Israel's God's people and the church God's people, are they different? Are they distinct? Right. And like, like right. we're saying, these, these two uh, viewpoints kind of approach it differently, which is also helpful to understand, you know, what does the Bible have to say about these two? Um, you're not going to find these two terms in the Bible, um, no, not purely. I mean, you find covenant right, and things right. like that, but not but. in that, not in that context right. of covenant theology. Right. And it's because these two viewpoints are really they are approaches on how we see scripture, right, right? and how we read the Bible. They're right. approaches, right? Um, rather than necessarily like a hard stance on something, you know, that right. other other theological things that we've talked about. Right. You know, these are two different kind of ways of of applying and understanding yeah. what God's word says that's to right. us. That's right. The, so the, these two kind of uh, theologies or viewpoints are they're like glasses, you know. It's like one one set is uh, is nearsighted and the other is is farsighted or something. Right. And so no no connotation. You, right, 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 right. Exactly. <laughs> right. So there's just, just an illustration. Sure. Um and 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 yet they are their approaches to scripture. There's hermeneutical principles. Yeah. Like hermeneutics, yeah, lots of big words say hermeneutics is just that like big word for the study of scripture. Right. And so everybody has principles principles whether you realize it or not we have principles we have values we have standards by which we read the scripture um, you know you hear some say well we take a you know a literal approach to the bible you know we read it literally well even that is like there's so much nuance to well how right. do you read it literally there's a wooden like strict rigid right. literal reading of the scripture or something that we would say here even at redemption is we would take a literal historical grammatical approach to the scripture right which which means like you know we're going to literally read a poem the way you should read a right. poem right? right that doesn't mean you know in a metaphor when you read a poem it's it's not literal right but however when you approach a book that's written in a poetic metaphorical way you know we can think best like maybe the psalms right you know we we read it as we should you know a poem right Um, so this is where the understanding of genres come in yeah figures of speech you know you read a historical narrative in the scripture different than you read the poetry books different than you read the prophets right you know different than you would read the epistles which are letters that a guy wrote to a church and so uh, even in our day we read you would read a note that your spouse wrote to you different than you read an instruction manual at work than you read you know a history book or a biography that you might have at night right and so the same applies to the scripture and so Mm. both of these really are born out of that these uh, approaches to the scripture because some would say well there's more room for some some books no we do read more allegorical or metaphorical and so 
those uh, those kind of behind the scenes underlying ways. Some very deliberate. Some have been trained in seminary. You know, some uh, have been held for centuries. Um, everybody has an, a hermeneutic and has an approach to the scriptures, right. whether you realize it or not. Sure. You know, when you read the Bible, you come with a, an approach, a hermeneutic. And so these these two things, dispensational theology and covenant theology, then are really just kind of systematized ways that scholars have said, well, here's a way of looking at the scriptures and answering these two questions. Well, how does God relate to man? And what is the, you know, who's Israel? Who's the church? And what does that mean for us uh, today and in the future? Um Right, and so let's just get to the question. Then, well, what's what is what are these? What is dispensational theology? Well, here's really the kind of the 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 crux of dispensational theology. Mm-hmm. That word, even though it's kind of odd, literally just would mean like an era, an administration. Sure. And so, you know, in, in much the same way, we could say, well, we are you know currently in the Trump dispensation in uh, in in the U.S. That you know we would use the Trump administration. Right. And we were you know previously in the Obama dispensation. Right. Whatever. And so it's kind of that viewpoint. That's where that word literally comes from. And so dispensational theology then would say that there is a distinction between Israel and the church, and God has worked in multiple covenants throughout history and has even some future ones. So we had the the Adamic covenant and right. God working with Adam, and then Noah. He made a covenant with Noah and then with Abraham and Moses when he uh, you know, gave the law, and right. uh, he's given a covenant to David, David sure. about the Messiah coming through his line, and then you know, now being in the new covenant and uh, and then the future implications of what are yet to come. Sure. And so, so dispensational theology would see the world broken up into these different eras, these different administrations, these different... Yeah. Um, and so even within that, there's like, uh, like I was alluding to earlier, there's multiple, you know, there's some that right. are like, oh, there's seven eras, there's 11, there's 28, you know, and, and so uh, the kind of the terms then of each of those covenants... Um, what were the what were the terms being made? Is this a conditional covenant based on the behavior of humanity? If you do this, I will bless you. If you don't do this, you you I will curse you. I'll, you there will be consequences. Or an unconditional covenant, like I'm God is saying, I'm doing all the work, you know. And so, what were the terms being made? Are there promises that were fulfilled then, or yet to be fulfilled in the future, hmm. and uh, everything? So that's that's really the crux of dispensational theology. Uh, so the, God, God is uniquely kind of interacting with His people and right. with humanity in right. those kind of differently. In, in yes, there's some not, the different not, terms. Not and, to say that He's like different. He's right. not a different God, but He's just uniquely interacting. Correct, based on the the revelation that he has made at that point, understanding the nature of progressive revelation. Right. You know, we have known God has revealed himself over time. You know, we now have the scriptures um, that has, you know, been, has captured his written revelation of who he is and things. And so um, he... He did make himself known to Abraham and to Moses in ways unique that we that aren't necessarily the same way that he makes himself known to you and I. Right. And uh, you know, in these these terms of relating to him through the law and um, and how he was worshipped. And so, even as you see Scripture unfold, first God was walking directly with uh, with 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 Adam, Adam and Eve, right. you know, present there, and then sin came in the world. And so, then you begin to see God's uh, people there. They are building altars. 
altars to the Lord and, um, you know, in the time of Noah and even in Job, that's part of the reason why Job is uh, time where it is placed before Abraham is because Job builds an altar until you get to Abraham then. And he's continuing to, uh, you know, to meet with the Lord and build these altars until you get to then the book of Exodus and sure. Moses. And now you have the tabernacle and that's where God dwells in his presence with the people. And then, uh, and then you have the temple, a literal like built place, not a tent that was being moved, yeah. you know? And uh, now you have this literal place right here. And now, on this side of Christ, what he's, Christ, now we have the Spirit. Like, sure. his people, we yeah. are the, he's not confined to a localized place. You know, John 4, God is Spirit. Those who worship him, worship in spirit and in truth. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so all of those different uh, ways in which God is worshipped, you know, that has been different throughout humanity is God and his graciousness, God and his patience has revealed himself uh, more fully to uh, to humanity. And so that's just changed throughout. And so that's kind of how, you know, seeing the Bible through those lenses and what those covenants were promised and what future things, you know, as he promised to Abraham, a multitude of people and a land and things. And so what, what do we do with right. all of that? Um, and so that's that's kind of the you know the long but hopefully simple and easy to understand answer of, of dispensational theology. When on the other side, covenant theology would would not necessarily take into account each of those individual accounts. They would see the or the covenants rather, but they would see uh, overarching all of humanity really two different covenants: yes. covenant of works covenant of grace and Christ kind of being at the apex of that umbrella or that bow, everything pre or before Jesus being through a covenant of works that includes all of, you know, Adam and and Noah and Abraham and David and all that stuff. Right. And on that side, really, Adam being our, our head, you know, he was the representative of humanity, jacked it up. And then Christ, the second Adam, you know, this is Romans five, then being the representative and and living the perfect life, right. dying in our place, and so everything on the uh, on the other side, post Christ and his life, you know, death and resurrection, um, now being a covenant of grace, right. And so you don't necessarily even see those terms, a covenant of works, covenant of grace, in the Bible. These are just terms to, you know, the, to use to categorize this. Some would say old covenant and new covenant, mm-hmm. which you hear people use that, but you, you can't. You don't want to necessarily interpret that as like Old Testament and New Testament because it's not clearly, you know, it's not necessarily neatly divided like that. And so that's where it's probably more helpful to say a covenant of works versus a covenant right. of And that's not grace. to say that, that in the covenant of works we were saved or they are saved by works. They wouldn't, that, that viewpoint doesn't, doesn't hold that view necessarily that, no. that you're in the old covenant we were saved by works or they were saved by works right. you know we we would still acknowledge you know like and um their their faith is is counted their salvation is counted by their faith correct yeah accredited correct. to them by their faith and, and and that's really where both theologies at its core would be in agreement like right salvation is always by grace through faith and the promises of god and what he's right. what he's revealed and so how that all works out is a differing way to understand that now, do you want to be careful because some of the extreme ends of both of those, of both dispensational theology and covenant theology, would actually go to a farther extreme to say, no, 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 like the terms of salvation have been different. Yeah. And so some of the extreme
legalism forms would even go to that point. No, they were saved by works. You right. had to be perfect. And so nobody was, you know, and that's why Christ had to come. Yeah. And so obviously, you know, good Bible students and no matter which approach you're taking here, you know, I think we have to, in order to be faithful to scripture, say, well, you know, I mean, Romans three, four, the salvation is always by grace through faith, mm-hmm. you know, right. um, well, no matter what side you were on Christ, you know, whether hoping for a future Messiah that would uh, do this and would come, or now on this side of the cross, we looking back, trusting in what Christ, the finished work of Christ, not the future work of Christ uh, in that. Right. Um, and so, so that's kind of the, you know, just to boil it down, that's really what that, um, what that, what those, you know, two, uh, two kind of theologies really kind of posit. And so you can see how that affects then how we view Israel and the church, you know, because if we say, um, well, th- here are these promises I got clearly made to the nation of Israel as this yeah. chosen people, an ethnic people group, um, so what are we to do with those things today? And some would say, well, that is for the nation of Israel. There are some future that God has a future for Israel, that national group. And so we, therefore, as Christians, you know, we have an obligation to love them, to evangelize Israel, um, you know, to see the faithfulness of God in that, uh, on, you know, from a dispensational viewpoint, whereas a covenantal viewpoint would say, well, all of that has been already fulfilled in Christ. All of those covenants that God made with David and Noah and everything, they've already been fulfilled. There's no future, like, hope or expectation for those things because they've been fulfilled in Christ. And, and, and we then, now those promises that were made are for us, yeah? Um, and so we as, in the church, as Gentiles who've been grafted in, right. now we are the, you know, spiritual inheritance of the blessings of those promises. Um, to where a dispensational uh, theologian would say, well, not necessarily, maybe by implication, maybe in principle, but not necessarily in the direct fulfillment of the promise you know, for example, like the land promise that, yeah. you know, uh, in a dispensational viewpoint, they know like that land belongs to Israel, to the nation of Israel. Even now, that gets their rightful divine uh, gift, that land, and will be and will continue to be right. for future. And so, and, and like the 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 king that will rule over them. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, I've, that that being fulfilled in, in Christ, right. you know, the promise to David there that a king will never leave your throne, you know, mm. uh, from your line. And so that's why it's so important when we get into, like, the book of Matthew and why it begins with the genealogy, and it's tracing it back to David. Sure. It's like, aha, this is the long-awaited king. Right. The, the fulfillment of David's uh, throne and and, uh, and then that promise there. And so and we'd say, amen, and... It's just the implications then. Okay, was that the fulfillment? It's all said and done, or are there even future ramifications for that? You know, will is will Christ come back and have a literal fulfillment, a, a literal reign on David's throne, ruling over uh, the land of Israel? Which, from a dispensational you viewpoint, would say, would say yes. yes, right. And from a covenant theology standpoint, I would say no. That. Uh, He's already come. He's he is in that, and he is spiritually reigning now. Yeah. Um, uh, in heaven over people as the fulfillment right. of that. And so, so I think it it seem, it seems like you know for the people listening, covenant theology is a little bit more of a zoomed out high view yeah. of of you know the covenants that are happening right throughout throughout history, yeah. humanity, and how and really we're seeing like really like what we've been saying really this deals with how is God interacting right with yeah. us uh, and 
and specifically the promises that he's been giving yeah. to humanity to his people throughout time right right and that's where that's how we've we've been bringing up these the covenant with adam and right. you know moses and abraham and, and all and how that's working out and so covenant theology really is a zoomed out approach sure we're like maybe dispensational theology we're getting a little bit more zoomed in yeah and and a little bit more literal yeah right yeah yeah, for sure, and that's a, that's a really helpful kind of way to th- see through things. Uh, yeah, a little more literal, um, in 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 specific in each of the covenants and things. Now, m- most covenant theologians would would balk at you and say, "Well, we're not being just yeah, it, not literal, right? Um, it's just to the extent of which we're being literal in certain things and where we can apply metaphor and where it's appropriate to zoom out." So everyone just kind of has a different. Uh, viewpoint like that right and 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 i think it's helpful to understand for the listeners there's a lot of there's a lot of implications on on either side that obviously we don't have the time to get into and and you can study on your own um the the important thing is is i think like what we were talking about earlier in in these more in the less extreme camps this idea of how we're saved yeah and and um that we're saved by grace alone is important, right? right. And, and it doesn't really change. It shouldn't change our mission of, of right. making disciples right. and, and carrying out the great uh, commission right. that we've been we've been given. Right. And so, you know, these are helpful helpful things to understand. Right. And I think as a general just a general rule for for us as Christians is, is learning about theology and and learning about these really awesome doctrines yeah. is is great and is right. really helpful but what we should never do is is use these things to let us get distracted from right. our mission right? right and and use these things as to, to create more division right right obviously there's some there's some things that we need to hold close-handedly you know like how we're saved that we're right. saved by grace alone we should never really compromise that ever right. and there's these other things that are helpful and, and are good to to seek to understand right right but that don't really uh and shouldn't really distract us from from right. our our mission that's right that's right yeah if they're taking us away from that then then we've kind of lost the purpose of why why we even we're, study the scripture right. why we're even alive why god has even left us here right um and it, and again it highlights the importance of three things like when it comes to studying these things in theology there's three super important ingredients yeah hermeneutic you know, you need a solid uh, foundation and understanding Scripture. So if you're, like, wondering, what do, what do I do with here? Well, the first place is to get a solid hermeneutic. Take a hermeneutics course. Uh, talk to, you know, me or elder or pastor and, and just say, hey, what's a good book? Like, what where, where are hermeneutical principles that I should abide by as right. I'm reading the Scripture? I want right. to study to show myself approved. So you need a solid hermeneutic. You need, second, uh, a huge dose of humility. Mm. Like, these are deep things. People have been studying this forever. You know, people way smarter than any of us um, have devoted their lives to these uh, very issues and and so we just need to be humble when we come to it and third then we need you know the Holy Spirit right like all these things spiritual things are spiritually discerned and so we need the Spirit of God inside um, helping us to make sense of what the scripture is teaching and uh, you know with that you can proceed in these uh, you know and trying to untangle right. you know this stuff right. There's lots of great books out there. Again, you can ask your pastor. A new one just came out. I think it's called uh, Continuity to Discontinuity uh, by Ben Merkel. 
and it uh, it re- kind of surveys I think the five major position five or six major you know from dispensational to covenant theology yeah. and kind of the in betweens here and uh, it's it just was published recently and it's been getting uh, some press and and uh, some good reviews and so I've yet to read it but it seems like a good good just kind of overview of these things and the differences in that so if you're wanting to go a little bit deeper have a mind for theology and ready for some for some heavy hitting stuff that could be a good book but yeah. these are these are good questions mm-hmm. to ask. Yeah. and and really it, what we're not saying is that we shouldn't you know strive to understand doctrine and these and these you know theological ideas because really what that should be pushing us to is to studying the scripture right, right. if we're if we're striving to understand these things to just know and to debate and to say right. you're wrong and right. i'm right Right. unhelpful and, and right. it's in fact it's it's almost just creating more division that we don't need right. but if we're using this to to really find motivation and 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 you know strive to study scripture like yeah. we're we're told to right yeah. um like in a scholarly way you know the way you would right. you get a textbook from your whatever your biology class and, and just right. sit down and say i'm gonna understand this right you know when we do that with with scripture through the Holy Spirit, right. you know, it's, it's a, it's worship, right? right. Understanding and, right. and studying God's word. Right. It's that, you know, in the great commandment to, it's loving the Lord, your God with all your mind. Right. It's yeah. that part. And so to fill it here. And so if you're loving God, as you're thinking deep thoughts about who he is right. and how he's related to us, and if it's leading you to that, to greater affection for God, mm. greater worship, and then greater zeal for loving him with all your strength as you're serving him mm. and, and talking talking to people about the Lord and the faithfulness and the greatness of God, that's what these things should be leading to, not just like puffing us up so we can win a debate or argument or, right. you know, be the arbiter of orthodoxy or something along those lines. So um, these are great things to study and uh, look forward to going deeper into it with anybody who wants to. Grateful for the question and uh, hopeful for uh, continued uh, growth in it. So, Well... Thanks for tuning in to Consider It, a ministry of Redemption Bible Church here in Brownfield, Texas, where we are taking on questions regarding life, theology, and the church. If you'd like to submit a question, text the word redemption and your question to 474747. If you'd like to learn more about our church, visit us at redemption.bible. We thank you for your support and listening, and we hope you'll join us next week.